You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. Please welcome the wonderful Lucy and Pasco. All right, Luce. Oh, all right. It's all right, this, isn't it? True stories live malarkey. I quite like it, actually. Yeah, lots of, lots of nice stories. It was nice to sit on the sofa. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's one of the things we tell people don't start your story with when they do workshops with us. And I've already broken the first rule. But hey-ho, um, it was slightly short notice. I'm lucky enough to have been to quite a few places, quite a few different places in the world, and sometimes, in fact, quite often, just after I leave them, things happen. I'm just telling you this because it sort of sets the context for this particular story. So you know with that old joke, if, if K.A.D., do you remember K.A.D.? Some of you remember. If K.A.D. arrives on your doorstep, what do you do? You leave quickly because something bad's Run. probably going to happen very soon afterwards. <laughs> Run. We were in a really, really lovely hotel, bedecked for a wedding, beautiful flowers and all sorts of lovely things uh, in the lobby. And uh, I went up to the receptionist and I said, I really, really want to visit this place uh, called. Baalbek, uh, which happens to be at the far end of the Bekar Valley from Beirut. And the reason that we were in Beirut was because of the Human League and <laughs> that song. And I'd love that song forever and ever. And I kind of read about Beirut having been the Paris of the Middle East. And I, it was just somewhere I'd always, always wanted to go. And it's an opportunity of time and also the fact that direct flights started to, um, to happen to go to that city. And I suggested that we could just pop there for a long weekend and, you know, it would be fine. It would be absolutely fine. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, poor old Terry Waite obviously didn't have such a nice long weekend. In fact, his long weekend became an extremely long weekend. But anyway, uh, I did persuade Pasco that... Beirut would be the place to go. Went up to... Anyway, so there we are, talking with the hotel receptionists, and they're very lovely, very helpful, and they just went... Well, well what, you, know, what you I, did, you said you want, we wanted to take the bus to Baalbek. Yeah, yeah well, because I like to travel, you know, I like to travel, so bus is a great way of travelling. And they just... No, you don't do that. You can't do that. That's just... No, no. So, because it's too dangerous, um, and so I, I kind of said to Lucy before, and I said, I "Doubt we're going to be able to take the bus all the way out there. We're going, you know, deep through some quite tricky country to, to, to get to Baalbek. And the reason why we want to go Baalbek, we're obsessed with ancient uh, ruins and 
cultures, and, and, and we spend a lot of time talking about this sort of thing. So Baalbek is an incredible place. I'll, I'll leave you guys to, to look it up, but it's an incredible place. The, the tallest, go there. tallest columns ever made, the Temple of Dionysus, which was quite an exciting place for us to go and see. And it, but the, the guys at the council were just like, no, you, you can't go on your own by bus to Baalbek. We have to get you a driver and a car and all of this. And we're like, okay, let's do it. So I'm expecting the next morning to walk into the lobby and find a very burly six foot four man and a blacked out Jeep or something like that. That Because you see a lot of these sorts of cars running. I think, yeah, this is it. That's how it's, um, what, well. I think it was a Renault 4. And um, really lovely, lovely man. But he was probably smaller than me. About 70. And yeah, he's about 70. And uh, I don't speak Arabic. He didn't speak English. He had, um, he had a dictionary, but it was half English and half Arabic. So the two, you know, just kind of like... The, I can speak French a bit. And I thought I was going to be really clever and speak to him in French. And then Pasco pointed out there was the previous colonial rulers and probably wasn't such a good idea. But anyway, I did try. I did try. So we set off and Beirut's kind of at sea level and you climb, climb up out of Beirut and eventually uh, you get to a roadblock uh, and then you kind of go whoop, over the crest of a hill and there is the Bekaa Valley. And I just went... I'm completely just flooded with tears because it's a really, it is a, still a really beautiful place. And I could just imagine uh, the first people who maybe made their way out of Africa through Yemen um, and who probably had stood at the top of that valley and looked down into it and seen what a beautiful place it could be. And although it's quite developed now, there were, you could still see pockets of green and oases and it, yeah it was really a stunning sight so I was full of emotion and joy and just wow this was so exciting and we're going on an adventure and then we got a bit further and there was another roadblock and there was a uh, right hand turn to Damascus and we looked at each other because it was being blown to shit at the it time. It was 50 <laughs> kilometers to Damascus if we turned yeah. right it was 50 kilometers to Damascus and it was at that point in time and we both looked at each other and you, you have that moment of, of realization where you are right in something very special we're, you know we're going out for a day trip but 50k just over that mountain is Damascus and so that was that was quite emotive. Yeah it was a bit of a reality check. It's still in this sort of, um, yeah, this flood of emotion. Are you one of those people who, if you need to go to the loo on a long journey and you know that it's really, really going to annoy the people that you're with, the fact that you need to go to the loo, but you actually really have to go and there's just no, you can't say, mm, I, can, I can hold it because... Well, for a start, I didn't know how long this journey was going to take because uh, couldn't communicate with the person who was with us. And, and we did have to stop a few times. There were a few roadblocks along the line. And it was, I was just getting more and more desperate. And, um, yeah. So what that looks like, from my perspective, is <laughs> we're in the back of this tiny car um, with this lovely man that we can't really communicate very effectively with. And um, we're on this very long and it's about 20 30 kilometer 
long road. And it's pretty much a straight road. And what you've got on, on either side is, is the usual stuff of life on the side of a street. You've got stores, you've got nail bars, you've got coffee shops, you've got all of this. And then beyond that, and all down the central reservation, you've got Hezbollah flags. And there, there are thousands of them. It's, it's an insane sight to, to, to see this. You've got black flags flying everywhere. And we come with our own you know, baggage of like, what, what's this going to be like? You know, we, we, we feel like, okay, we are really deep into a place that we've been taught to fear and be scared in. And I'm scared. I suddenly think, actually, we, we might be in a little bit over our heads in this moment. And I've got Lucy next to me, getting a bit... <laughs> and giving me the look to say, <laughs> I need to stop for a wee. Jeez, please, no, not now. Alongside this, you've got big pickup trucks um, that were kind of the car I was hoping I might be in that are blacked out, and you, you, you got the vibe. Hopefully I'm communicating what this feels like in a little Renault 4. And Lucy sitting next to me, jiffling, I think is the term you use. Yeah. Like yeah, I was definitely jiffling. And, uh, uh, and at one point, I look across to Lucy, and I say, I think now might be a good time to put a headscarf on. You know, maybe it's just, just, just to be smart. There's no blacked out windows in our motor. So can you put your headscarf on? I think it's probably a good idea. And I'm looking out, and I'm sliding into this seat, and my arm's going up, and I'm just like sliding, trying to make myself as invisible as possible in the back of this motor. And thinking, okay, yeah, we're all right. It's going to be fine. And then I look across at Lucy, thinking we're now being really anonymous. And you've got this plume <laughs> of pink hair sticking out. <laughs> what am I going to do? I, mean, yeah. I didn't know you were going to bring the plume. But, um, so you think, Lucy, you've got to cover it up properly and she's like right okay yeah yeah yeah, okay I need to stop though so I indicate to the driver we need to stop and we need a we need a comfort break and I can see his eyes looking at me in the mirror going you're fucking joking <laughs> it's looking at an eye it's no language it's just looking he's looking at me with okay so we pull into this place and would you like to come and have a coffee with us no you don't want to get out of the car so we go into the coffee shop. What were we greeted with? Well, it was beautiful. It was like um, something you find on the outskirts of a French town. Uh, lots of um, bright, shiny things and beautiful pastries and really lovely smell of coffee. So uh, we walk in. We get looked at. We go upstairs. And covering all of the, uh, one wall, a very big wall, is a TV screen. And there's somebody clearly very animated on that TV screen. And there's quite a lot of this going on. And um, didn't sound like it was necessarily the friendliest kind of address. That and they turn it off. Yeah, they, they When we walk in, they, they turn it off. Okay. And so we ask where the loo is. Lucy goes off to the loo. Uh, I ask for a couple of coffees. They're kind of like, yeah, sure, go, go and get a cup of coffee. And then before you know it, we've got loads of people coming in and out, and everyone's smiling, and everyone's being kind. And it's very pleasant. Yeah, and we're thinking, great. well, okay, this, this feels fine. So you go from that moment of absolute thinking, like, we're, we're deep in trouble here, potentially, to having all of your, your perceptions challenged, and actually we're in a very welcoming place. And you've got kids coming around, and, you know, you, you didn't get many people 
that sort of barnet um, coming into this sort of place. And it was, it, was, it was great. It was lovely. And then the, the guy that was driving our car, he comes in, pretends he doesn't know us, and he just walks past and looks at me, and I'm going, okay, that's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> and then we get back in the car, and we, we carry on down this road for a long time, and we get to yeah. Baalbek. Which is... I, go if you can. I mean, it, it is amazing. As Pasco said, the, the ruins are really well preserved and we, had, we were there with about six other people and while we're walking around these ruins which have been built on an, a temple of Baal, so really, really ancient, and then the Greeks had come along and then the Romans had come along, you know, all of that sort of trajectory. And we, we were just fascinated, spent as long as we possibly could wondering about, and all the time while we were wandering around these ruins, we could hear the call to prayer happening from the mosque that was next door, which was also a, a really important site. So all, just like everything actually in Beirut and I guess in Lebanon, all of those things are so close on top of each other. They're absolutely next door to each other all the time. And mostly everybody gets on with it and it's completely fine. So yeah, on a real high, um, having got there, seen the ruins, beautiful day, had it to ourselves, just wonderful. Uh, decided we'd go and have something to eat. Um, not it's quite tricky finding something that was just, you know, simple, but we, we got a quick sandwich and... So, yeah, so we've been really, you know, we're, we're both seasoned travellers, so you, you, you know to be smart and careful with your, your food and stuff like that because it can ruin a break, particularly we've only got a few days. So we're being careful, and I, was, and I just fancied a Coke, you know, you just fancy it. So I was like, yeah, I, I got a Coke. Didn't think. Grabbed a can, opened it up, drank it. Yeah, of course. I was looking at me like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stupid. So here's, here's the, the, the trouble, is we get back that night, I'm up all night, I am really, really poorly, and knowing that we're supposed to be going to another site the next day, and it's our last day, and I am really poorly, and Lucy's, I can just sense the tension increasing <laughs> each time I pop off to the loo, um, of like, and I'm saying, I don't think I'm going anywhere tomorrow. And that was, that was the trouble that I am now in, you know, because I know I'm going to ruin this trip through no fault of mine, but there's no way I can leave the hotel. And um, so you spent your last day in Beirut. Trudging, on a Sunday, trudging around, trying to find Imodium. <laughs> that was, I mean, from the sublime to the absolute bloody ridiculous and you can see the tone there can't you the bloody ridiculous (laughs) i was really happy about this obviously and not at all cross and pissed off and angry and and everything else uh so yeah that was that was pretty much the sum of our trouble and pasco not knowing whether to be more terrified of me or the consequences of the can of coke so um (laughs) that's that's what happened and i I would love to go back uh the sad thing is a month after we left and it was a whole month uh they had that terrible explosion in the port area and lots of uh, terrible things happened so i don't think it was anything to do with us or the can of coke but um 
maybe it was something to do with the fact that I was really cross. I don't know. But a friend of ours has, has, has just got back, and I think this is it's this moment for me that brought it home. Lucy was telling me earlier. A friend of ours went out to Beirut a few weeks ago, and they came back, and we said, you have to go to this bookshop. Beirut was and will be the most beautiful of cities. It will always struggle to be the most beautiful of cities. And there was this bookshop, and, uh, and, and they were advertising the fact they had all the banned books. They were saying, we have these books here, and you can come in and you can have a coffee and you can read these books, and the library that they had was extraordinary. That bookshop's not manned there by an ex-UEA student, yeah, obviously, because yeah, you can't go anywhere. Student. You can't go yeah. anywhere in the world without bumping into somebody from Norwich. I mean, but yeah, that bookshop's not like, there anymore. So uh, just spare a thought for Beirut and the trouble I, we possibly had a party. That's it. Thank you. Lucia Pascoe. Two Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website, truestorieslive.co.uk.